This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and just to give you a glimpse behind the curtain, as it were, uh, I am doing this show without my headphones. Now, normally I take my headphones off when I talk because of the delay problem that I have had, and I've talked about that in the the past. Uh, But uh, I'm recording, once again, in the basement of Nostalgia Zone, which is a comic book store that is uh, uh, located in Minneapolis. And you know, if you're if you collect comic books, uh, Silver Age, Bronze Age, Modern Age books, and are interested, uh, then just check out our website, nostalgiazone.com. There, the ad that I decided to put in my show is over. But anyway, <clears throat> I gather up all my equipment, and I bring it down each week, each Saturday morning. And this morning, I forgot my headphones, so I had to. Uh, you know, when the opening happens and you, there's that that that's that song the theme song for my show which is a song called Ram which is by a friend of mine's band I don't know if the band exists anymore I don't think so but the band was called the Yolius uh, and he said yeah you can use one of our songs and Ram was just perfect because it has that nice little interlude lull kind of thing after the initial barrage of uh, coolness and then it gets that little uh, where the bass is just going doom 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 that kind of thing and that's when I start talking and usually I just listen for the cue but this time I had to uh, I had to play it through the speakers of the computer earlier I can't do that now because then we'll get this feedback thing the microphone will be picking it up it'll be terrible so uh, I listened to it and I looked at the timing and so I had to go by timing I have to look, it's okay, at 27 seconds into that theme, I can start talking. Just uh, just so you know, that that's how I'm doing. I'm winging it. So that otherwise, uh, when I do my breaks and that, I'll just have to sort of like watch what's going on. And I'll be able to, you know, I'll be able to do it, I think. I'm pretty sure. But uh, kind of like having the headphones. <clears throat> anyway, I'm going to start the show with a cool thing. Uh, there might be more than one cool thing on this show. If I can get to the one thing that I haven't been able to get to since July, <laughs> I've been meaning to talk about it, but it just seems to get bumped from each show. I don't, it just does. Anyway, um, the cool thing is, if you're and if you're a Facebook friend of mine, you will uh, know this image of which I speak. Uh, if you're not a Facebook friend of mine, you can go to the show notes page, which you can go to dimland.com, click on the show notes bl- slash blog option, and you'll get to the show notes, and the picture will be there. So you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, in about 1974-ish, uh, just after my family had moved into the house that my dad continues to live in today, we, uh, we, had, we have this tree in the backyard. The tree is still there. But somewhere, let's see, well, they moved in in 1973. Summer 1973 is when we moved in. And I think it was the next summer or something like that, next spring, um, when uh, a branch in this tree, this big tree that we have out in the backyard, uh, uh, broke off the tree and, and split off and fell across the backyard. I have vague memories of looking outside our bedroom window and seeing just, just this, the whole yard filled with branch. I have vague memories of that. And so um, we, we uh, well, Dad, I don't know who he got to help him, if he did it on his own or what, but he cleaned up the mess. He got all the tree stuff that had fallen out. He got that taken care of. But he noticed that in the tree itself, uh, where that branch had come off, there's, a, there's like a meeting point of two other 
big branches that would they all kind of converge in that spot or or split off in that spot depending on which direction you're going but at that at that branching point uh, he noticed that the other two branches that were still there seemed like they might be in danger of doing the same thing falling off you know, if, you know and so he had to uh, he put his mind to it says what can I do to prevent those other branches coming down want to keep the tree so what can I do so what he di- what he ended up doing was he went out and got himself some heavy chain uh, and then so he got up in, into the tree and I don't know like a a couple feet at least up from the uh, I maybe I maybe not a couple feet I don't know a foot and a half two feet I don't know I didn't measure it okay from the split point on those two branches he t- he put the chain he wrapped it around the outsides of the of the branches around the branches and and brought them together so that so that uh, the chain would f- uh, would form two uh, uh, strands if you will going between the branches. Yeah, so that's how he and he and he bolted them together somehow, and he, so he got it all connected up, and 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 so that it would hold the uh, uh, the two branches, the remaining branches, in place. Uh, I think where the where it had split, I remember that he put some some black tar in there just to keep it from I don't know from uh, I don't know rot coming up or something, or I don't know. He just put some. He figured put some black tar in there. I don't know why. He just did. Uh, the tar is gone, uh, but the tree is still there. The tree, uh, it, it, and and the way trees grow, is they don't just grow up and keep getting taller. They actually they grow out, so the trunk will get will get thicker. It'll put on rings each year, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so the the trunk gets gets thicker, and the branches get thicker, and it gets to a certain height, which is I guess you know like like, like the tree is coated in its I don't know if it's DNA in a tree is it DNA probably I don't know uh, that that says okay this is as tall as you're going to get, and I don't know about the width part of it if it if it has like a cutoff point or it just dies before it gets any wider, but whatever. So the tree continued to grow in those nearly 50 years. And what's happened, the, you know, the two branches, what Dad did worked, apparently. I mean, maybe the branches wouldn't have fallen if he didn't put the chain in there. Maybe. But it seems as though the chain has done its job and kept those branches in place. And now, nearly 50 years later, the chain itself is grown into the tree, or the tree has grown around the chain. The chain doesn't grow; the tree grows. The, the, it, 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 you can, the only part of the chain that you can see is about six inches between the two branches, where where the chain is exposed to the you know to the air, <laughs> where you can still see it. That's the only part, and you can see how the tree. Uh, uh, itself, the branches have, have kind of pulled along, have grown along that that bit of chain toward each other. It's like it's like they're like a couple of hands reaching, to, trying to get to each other. Whether or not they'll actually do it you know, in another 50 years, I don't I don't know. I, who knows how long this tree is going to live? So, uh, but but that means that the chain that went around the outside of the tree, the outsides of the branches, is now inside. It's it's grown around. I think you can kind of see a hint of the seam on the on the bark on the outside of the branch, but I don't know. Maybe not. It's just it's it's I don't know. It's just really cool how time and nature do things. It's just that sort of all all those years of it's just continuing to grow. The chain is now grown uh, uh, as part of the tree or the tree has swallowed it and made it part of it it's just grown around and, it, and it's really neat uh, I wish that uh, somebody would have thought in our family would have thought of at the time just after dad had put the chain in place that we'd taken a picture of it to show what it looked like in 1974 or whatever and now what it looks like in 2022 it's it, it, to compare the pictures that I, you know, the, to the pictures I just took recently, which you'll see on the show notes page. You'll see how it looks where in that photo where they where they're getting close to each other, and you just it's really cool. It's a it's a pretty cool thing. Now my younger brother uh, Steve reminded me that Dad often said would say when they asked about how that tree how that chain get in the tree, uh, Dad would say, "Well, the chain was laid on the ground, and the tree grew up into the chain, but that's not how it happened." 
It's very cool. So, <laughs> I want you to do this for me as you're sitting there uh, listening to me talk. I want you to do this for me. I want you to ask me this question, okay? As soon as I, as soon as I tell you what the question is, I want you to out loud, even if you're on the bus, out loud, I want you to say the question that I'm asking you to ask, okay? You ready? Okay, I'm going to Okay, ask me this question. Dim, what is the secret to comedy? Timing. That's what it is. This timing is everything. Everything. Timing is everything, right? So, in a in a, an example of how timing is everything, the silk screening shop at which I work, um, we, uh, we had... Uh, over the shirt, the, the the company's been around since 1977, and I've first started working there in 1996. So 20 1976, I think they started. Hmm. Yeah, 1976. I started in 1996, and I've worked for them off and on, you know, a couple of times, and now I'm back. I'm back on again, and I, I just that's and I I would just as soon stay there until I drop. So, uh, but we'll see what happens. The future is difficult to see. Anyway, um, in the course of that time, uh, the, this, the cold side has built relationships with certain customers. Customers that just keep coming back to us year after year after year. We have a regular relationship with them. We, you know, with their just, you know, well, oh, we're, our event's coming up. Contact cold side. Let's get our shirts done. Whatever. So, and one of those organizations that we've done a lot of work for over the years is AIM, the American Indian Movement. Uh, we've done a lot of work for them, and I, when I was working there in the office, uh, in my second stint working at Coldside, uh, I worked uh, quite often with Vernon Bellacourt, uh, and and I would sometimes work with Clyde Bellacourt. These were two two brothers who were part of the foundation of the American Indian movement, and. Um, you know, very important fellows in that movement, very important fellows in the uh, Native American community. And, uh, you know, so I worked a lot with Vernon, some with, with Clyde. Uh, Vernon died uh, a few years ago, and Clyde died just fairly recently. So it, it, over the last couple of weeks, maybe, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Clyde's son came in to... Uh, put in an order for some shirts. He he had gotten a shirt made that uh, he had an artist uh, do a, a tribute design uh, to his father, uh, Clyde Bellacourt, the father, uh, do a, a tribute design for him. And he had the shirt, you know, the, the design put on a shirt, but it was done in like a heat transfer way. And it's just a, it just does not feel right. It doesn't, ugh. he says, I don't like how it feels. And I said, I don't blame you. It doesn't feel nice. So he said, can you, you know, he had us do that same design using silk screening methods and it's much better turned out really well and so we 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 did the design we got it done for him uh i emailed him said it's ready to go and he said great i'll have somebody come in and pick it up and so the person came to pick it up uh one morning and uh um this past week he came in well, it must have been thursday morning and uh he happened to be the person who was the artist who designed the design did a nice job on it and uh, so he comes in, and I get the shirts out into his vehicle for him, and then we go back into the office, and we're getting set up to pay. Now, I listen to my Spotify playlist at the office. I try to keep the volume down so it's not overpowering for my, my co-worker in there. Uh, and uh, I don't always play it. Just, you know, it's part of the day, I'll just, okay, I want to listen to music some, some now, so I'll put it on. And lately, I've been doing my, uh, I do it every couple of years, where I listen to my entire playlist that I have set up. I just have one playlist. It's called the Radio Station I've Always Wanted. I just have that one playlist, and I put that up, and uh, every now and then, and I have it on shuffle. You know, just play random all the time. Uh, but... Every couple of years, I say, okay, I'm going to listen to it, the, the entire playlist A to Z, or I should say numbers to A to Z, because all the songs start with a number, they go first. Uh, and, uh, and, it's, and it's by song title. 
so that I just go through. And part of the reason I do that is to shake out any duplicates that I might have in there. I might have uh, put the same song in twice. It was like one version, on, or the same version on two different albums, like one's on a Greatest Hits and the other one's on the actual album. And I didn't realize that I already had the song in there. Things like that. So I do, and so that's so I make sure that there's no duplicates in there because I'm, I'm anal that way. Well, I happened to have music playing that morning. And we were up in the C's in the uh, alphabet. C-O-N to be more uh, um, uh, pedantic, I guess. Uh, and as the uh, the fellow that was picking up the shirts, who happens to be a Native American as well, as we're pi he's picking up the shirts, and I'm 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 doing the paperwork, you know, taking his credit card information, putting all that in, and and we're having him sign the thing and giving him the paperwork and all that. There's a song playing on my Spotify. And it, you can hear it. In fact, I'm thinking, I don't usually have it that loud. And the song that was playing is the Beatles song from the White Album, The Continuing Story of Bungalow Bill, written by John Lennon, sung by John Lennon with Yoko in there and a bunch of kids, you know, a chorus of kids singing, Hey, Bungalow Bill, what did you kill? Bungalow Bill, hey, Bungalow Bill, what did you kill? Bungalow Bill. That's playing. In the background. Now it's Bungalow Bill, but that's goddamn close to Buffalo Bill. And I'm hearing that. I'm not saying anything. I didn't stop it. I didn't react. I just went through. You know, it's like that's in the background. Pay no attention. Let's hope the customer, a Native American, isn't taking it. You know, hopefully the song is well well known enough to him because you know he's he's about my age or older. So. I, I imagine he's heard the Beatles songs uh, and, and probably heard that song because I did get some radio play once in a while back in the day. So hopefully, maybe, you know. Anyway, so he leaves. Thanks, guys. You know, it looks great. Thanks, guys. And off we go. And uh, I come back in. I'm finishing up something. And, and my coworker, John, says, says something to the effect of, could you pick a better song to be playing just then? <laughs> and I turned to him and said, I know, of all the songs, why that song? The song just before that, uh, before that one in my playlist, is Contact by The Police. That would have been fine. The song just after that one is Controversy by Prince, and that would have been fine. And, 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 to tell, and, and truthfully, you know, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill, that's fine too. It's, 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 I think it's John parroting people who are, you know, uh, big game hunters. I think it's him, you know, taking the piss out of them uh, and, and making fun of them in, in that song. It's like a ditty that he wrote that just, uh, you know, just kind of needling people who hunt big game. Why would you do such a thing, I think, is his thinking. I don't know. I don't know. He's dead. I can't ask him. Even if he was alive, I probably couldn't ask him because how are you going to get a hold of him? I don't know. So anyway, of all the songs, <laughs> I, can, I can say that at least it wasn't the Ramones song Indian Giver which isn't on my playlist I don't have it on there but there is a Ramones song called Indian Giver now that would have that, yeah, that, that would have really caused some problems <laughs> oy, oy. timing timing is everything and now the time has come for me to take my first break uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I will return after these, uh, you know, messages. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. 
Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. <laughs> We're scaring up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Whew, I got through that break without being able to hear it. Interesting. That was weird. Uh, so anyway, um, I listen to a podcast called uh, the, uh, the Greatest Generation, and they have another podcast which they call The Greatest Discovery, but they, I guess just recently they changed the name of that one to The Greatest, uh, Greatest Trek. And their Star Trek uh, podcast. They, they review episodes of Star Trek. The Greatest Generation, I think I've talked about before. Uh, the, the two hosts, uh, Ben Harris and Adam Pranica, they started uh, reviewing each episode of Next Generation because that was their Star Trek when they started watching Star Trek. And they go through that series and they went into and did uh, Deep Space Nine and now they are doing uh, Voyager. Uh, on the Greatest Discovery podcast, now the Greatest Trek, they started reviewing uh, Star Trek Discovery, and then uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, and Star Trek Picard, and Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, all these, the new uh, stuff, with some of the original episodes thrown in there, reviewing those, and the animated series, reviewing those episodes. And it's fun, and they're funny, and all that. But there's something I observed last night while listening to The Greatest Trek, Uh which is, they were reviewing, I'm going back and, and catching up because I wasn't able to watch uh, Discovery for a, while, a long time until we now have Par, uh, uh, Paramount Plus, so I'm able to watch it. So I'm going, you know, catching up. And I'm in season three. And something I noticed, the main character on Star Trek Discovery, uh, uh, I, think her, they, I think the actor who plays her, Sinequa Martin-Green or something like, God damn it, I should know it. But I should have written it down. But I'm just this is this was not a planned talk uh, because I just heard this last night. So I thought anyway. So anyway, she plays a character named Michael Burnham. And as you listen to the Greatest Discovery now Greatest Trek, you will never forget her name because the you know Ben and Adam virtually every time they talk about her character in particular. Well, her character, and she's this, that's the main character of the show. Every time they mention her name, it's Michael Burnham. It's never just, it's rarely just Michael. It's rarely just Burnham. It's rarely, what, Commander Burnham. It's rarely anything else other than Michael Burnham. It's Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham. You know, one of them could be giving you a, a, a like a, like a two minute, uh, review on some aspect of the show dealing with her, and you'll hear her name five times. Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham. It's a drinking game. I don't know. Maybe there already is there. It's it's it's. it's she's she's pretty much the only character that they do that with. They 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 of the Discovery reviews. There's other characters on like Detmer. They they just call her Detmer. Owo. They just call her Owo. Uh, you know the um um. Uh, there's other characters <laughs> whose names I'm forgetting now. Stanmitz. Is that his name? And then Colber. They both have first names, but she just uh, the the hosts just say their their last name. They rarely say their first name. But when it comes to Michael Burnham, it's Michael Burnham. Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham, Michael Burnham. And when you're a pedant like me, you notice that kind of stuff. It's like, why? Why are you doing that? And so that's why I said 
There could be a drinking game. So every time Benner and Adam say the name Michael Burnham, take a drink, and you'll be wasted. <laughs> I mean, you'll be wasted by the, you know, 10 minutes into the show because I don't know what it is. There's one other character. One other character, and she's not a regular character, regularly occurring. She's just, every now and then she shows up. She's played by Tig Notaro, and her name is Jet Reno, which is a cool name. And I understand why you'd say Jet Reno every time you say the name, because it's a cool name. But Michael Burnham? How many times did I say it in this little segment? I have a bet. I have a bet that one day in September, that's next month, one day in September, we will find that my beloved Minnesota Twins had just been swept four games by the hated Yankees. I have a bet. I do. I have a bet. Uh, the bet is with a co-worker of mine named Mike. Hi, Mike. He doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> uh, Mike's a baseball fan. He's a Twins fan. He's got tattoos on him. He's got at least one that has, you know, some twins theme to it. At least one. Uh, he's a little, you know young punk rocker. He's I, he's I'm mightily impressed with how he's come up from being just started working at the place as uh, somebody to clean screens and fold shirts, and do the grunt work which Hayden's doing now, uh, and he's worked his way up to the shop manager and the the most uh, um, uh, the, the the highest producing of the printers that we have. We've got two at the moment. He just produces the most stuff. He's just he's just really good, and he knows how to organize the shop, and he knows how to get jobs through, and he you know knows how to do the best kind of printing. Takes pride in his work, enjoys his work. He's a good guy to work with. Drops the f bomb every other word in his sentences. You do a drinking game with him every time he says the f bomb. Hi, <laughs> but anyway, he's a good kid. Gives me a hard time all the time. <laughs> it's just. Uh, the other day, I, I, I walked out of the uh, uh, of the restroom, having having gone to the bathroom, and I was using some uh, some sanitizer on my hands. And he says to me, "You know, we have a sink in there." And I said, "Yeah, well, sometimes I forget to use the sink, so then I realize, oh, but didn't use the sink. I use my hand sanitizer." That was the straight answer. I didn't think of the funny answer that I should have done. What I should have said was, "You know, just as he says, you know, we have a sink in there." I say, "I know. Where do you think I pee?" But no, I didn't think of that. Timing is everything. Thought of it just like a half a second after I said, well, yeah, sometimes I forget to wash my hands, so I use my sanitizer. I went, ah, shit, why didn't I say that? <laughs> it was like that. Anyway, he's a baseball fan. He's a Twins fan. He, was, he, I, he used to have season tickets. He might still, I'm not sure. Um, but he happened to be at the game that was last night. And the Twins... Hmm, they, I think they're fading. They're fading. They were in first place through most of the season. They are now three and a half games back uh, behind Cleveland. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. They, I, I felt them slipping. Um, and because they just, I don't know, something. Just something. And they play the Yankees each season. Uh, twice. Two series each season. They either play a three-game series or four-game series. Uh, it's like this. They'll play six or seven games against the Yankees. Uh, uh, three or four of them here in Minneapolis. Three or four of them there in New York. Right? So the Twins have already played them a three-game series in Minneapolis. Managed to win one game, which they won by 8-1. to one. So that's a pretty sound win. You know, it's a pretty good one. But they managed to win one game. Well, here's the deal. For the last... I don't know, 20 years? Every time the Twins play the hated Yankees in the season, every whether it's a six, game, you know, six games total or seven games, they manage to win one. Maybe on a really good year they get two out of it, but they manage to, usually it's just one. One game they manage to win against the Yankees. Well, they've won that game this year. So I mentioned something to, to Mike. We were texting each other about things, and I said, it, you know, I told him this is before Cleveland... I think took over first, or was might have been, yeah, I think so. And I said, I don't, I don't, I'm, I think the Twins aren't going to do so well. I think Cleveland's going to win the take the division. And he says, Well, they do have a hard schedule going ahead. And I said, 
and then he then he also said, but the twins don't have much of it, you know, much easier either. And I said, yeah, and they and besides, the tw- the twins have four losses coming up against the Yankees next month, in September. He said, and he's you're kidding. How can you you can't you? He said, I will bet you three dollars that the twins will get at least one win. I said, okay, it's a bet, three bucks. It's a bet. And then he said, tell me you. You never bet on a team losing four games in a row. You can't. You can. You never. You never do that bet. And I said, "It's the Twins. It's the hated Yankees. Why do you think they're the hated Yankees? They always beat the Twins. They've the Twins have already got their one win for the season. So yeah, they're going to get swept. And <laughs> you know. And I know this is not rational thinking. It's not. I know. I'm a skeptic, and I'm supposed to do rational thinking, but it's sports, and my sports thinking tends to lose that rational side. Don't know why. It just does. And so, a little more emotional, I guess. And so, we've got the bet. So, I have a bet. And and if the Twins win a game, I will gladly hand my co-worker that $3. That's fine. But, if they do get swept... And he's handing me three bucks. I will tell him to never doubt my pessimism ever again. I think I'm going to take my next break. And then we'll just see what I do in the last part of the show. Oh boy, I hope I can do this again. I have to do this by watching the screen to make sure I do my timing right. Uh, so you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. <sighs> All right, here we go. I'll return after this break. Listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Be Reasonable is the interview show from the Merseyside Skeptic Society, where each month I speak to someone about their fringe beliefs. Over the years, I've spoken to psychics, UFO believers, moon landing deniers, flat earthers, hollow earthers, and all manner of unusual conspiracy theorists. But I've also talked to AIDS denialists, white supremacists, gay conversion therapists. I even interviewed Jim Humble, the inventor of Miracle Mineral Supplement, a form of industrial bleach that he and his followers used to treat cancer and HIV. This isn't a debate show, and my aim isn't to win an argument. But when we listen to how people promote and justify the ideas that we disagree with, even the dangerous ones... I think we become much more effective at countering those ideas. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, look for Be Reasonable on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else the podcasts live. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ZTalkRadio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. It's kind of a bummer that I don't have my headphones because I don't get to hear those really cool bumpers that I have. I have awesome bumpers. The best of any show on ZTalk. At least that's what I used to say when I used to listen to the other shows on ZTalk. But I don't anymore. Who's got the time? Especially to listen to nonsense. And speaking of nonsense... Uh, it's a it's the political season. When isn't it? Uh, the midterm elections are coming up very soon. Please go out and vote and vote blue. All right. You know, for for so long, 
you know, the like MTV rocks the vote and all this stuff. They 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 getting people to go out and vote, go out and vote, go out and vote. But what they're not saying is vote Democrats, <laughs> vote for Democrats, and that's what I'm saying here on Jim Land. They I mean they're not perfect. The Democrat Party is not perfect. Far from it. I don't agree with everything, but at least right now they seem to be the party that that likes the idea of a democratic republic. They they, they support that idea. Whereas the other team seems to want fascism, seems to want an authoritarian government, seems to want to be able to take, the, you know, impose their morality on the rest of us. This seems to be what they what they're at right now. So anyway, out there in Pennsylvania, there is a Senate race going on between uh, John Fetterman, who I believe is the Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania. You know, he lives there, and he works there as the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, he's running for Senate, U.S. Senate, and he's running against a, a Republican who used to be a Democrat, but is now a Republican because it was, uh, because it was convenient for him. And uh, that's Dr. Oz. Yes, Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz, who, as a doctor, as a surgeon, he does heart surgery, chest stuff, and that kind of thing. I guess he's really good. But as a doctor on TV, he's only, well, he's like half bullshit. I, I, I was reading about it, and it's been a while ago, that, they, uh, that a study was done of the stuff that he promotes on his medical TV show, and about half of it is bullshit. Not supported by actual medical science. Anyway, so he's decided to take his bullshit on the road, and literally on the road, uh, as he runs for the Senate in Pennsylvania. And the reason I say literally on the road is because he lives in New Jersey. He has properties in New Jersey. But in the carpetbagger sense, he set up residence in Pennsylvania at his in-laws, uh, property his in-laws own, so he can run for the Senate in Pennsylvania because there's no way he could win the Senate in New Jersey because New Jersey is pretty deep blue and they're not you know he's not his chances of winning a Senate seat are marginally better in Pennsylvania so that's where he's running now he's not the first to do the carpetbagging kind of thing he's not he's not uh, President Kennedy back when he uh, was running for the Senate in New York, he moved to New York from wherever the hell they lived in Massachusetts somewhere. He set up residence in New York for a while in order to run for Senate, and he did, and he won. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. She was, I don't know, Arkansas? Was that where she lived? I don't know where she was living at the time, but she wasn't living in New York, but she set up residency in New York for a while, and then, you know, she ran for Senate, and she won there. So there you go. It's not, did not, it's... There's nobody pure here, so I don't hit the carpetbagger thing as hard as some other people might. But John Fetterman, at least he was living there and working there. You know. Anyway, it does not. The race does not go well for Doctor Oz. It does not. Uh, he just can't help being a dumbass, and he's made an attempt to to reach out to the working class and middle class. Of, of Pennsylvania who are hurting in this high inflation that's going on all over the world not just here in the United States all over the world which of course is all Joe Biden's fault it's his fault that gas prices went up all over the world and it's also his fault that inflation has gone up all over the world because you know it, he's the he is the most powerful person in the world right well, well I guess some argue, would argue that uh, could be legitimate because as president of the United States, he has a pretty powerful uh, platform. But he, you know, he's, he's not setting the gas prices and he's not setting the inflation. He's not, you know, it's it's anyway. He's not causing the inflation to go up in you know in the in the UK. How's he doing that? Anyway, so what? Dr. Oz decides to do is to present himself as one of the people. He goes to a grocery store. Now, there's a little murkiness on whether or not he got it right, the name of the grocery store. I, 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 I haven't found a definitive uh, bit where it says he, you know, he was at a Wegmans, but he called it Wegner's. But he wasn't at a Wegmans. He was at some place maybe called Regner's? I, 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 I don't know. But I'll let that pass. I just will. 
but he's he's one of us you know he's out grocery shopping so what does he do he does this little video where he's he's out to the grocery store his wife sent him there to uh, pick up some stuff because she wanted to have a crudite so he starts pulling he's in the produce section so he starts pulling items uh, off the off the shelves and he's holding them, crating them in his arm, and and holding them. And he's saying, "Oh, here's some broccoli. That's two two bucks there. Here's a some ca bag of carrots. That's like seven bucks there." And he's going through each of these, and he's adding it up. Oh, here's some salsa and some guacamole, and he gets his hand arms full of this, and he says, "This is twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. This is because of inflation, because of Joe Biden. You know, let's go, Brandon." He doesn't say that, but I'm surprised he didn't, because <clears throat> he's trying to be—he's trying to appeal to the working class and the middle class. But he fails. <laughs> He—it's a huge fail. He goes through—he's—he's he's pulling this first. The first strike that he has. Now, if he gets the name of the store wrong, that's a strike. But really, if he's trying to connect with with the working class and the middle class. You know, people who actually do go to the grocery store to buy their groceries. If he's trying to connect to them, <clears throat> excuse me, he's doing it in the, you know, in a very piss poor way. Why, why don't you have a cart, doctor? Dude, have a cart or at least a basket. You're just cradling this stuff in your arms. It just, have you been to a grocery store before? Of course he hasn't been to a grocery store. At least not for a long-ass time. He has staff. They do that. He doesn't even see the groceries. He has somebody cook for him and all that. Maybe he does his own cooking, but the stuff's already there. It's like magic. Excuse me. It gets to the part of the show where my throat dries out, and I have to take a sip, so I just hang on a second. Oh. <clears throat> I think it's this basement that I'm in. It gets a little dry. Which is weird, because you think it'd be damp in the basement, but eh, anyway. <clears throat> so, so he has he strikes out there by not seeming like he's been in a grocery store would know what he should do. Now, I'm not saying I've never gone in the grocery store and just grabbed a couple of things and bought them, you know, without getting a basket. But I have done it where I've gone in there and, intending to do that, grab a couple of things, and I realize, oh, I'm going to need more than I need, and I go and grab a basket or a cart. Anyway, the next thing is crudite... Crudite. Now, I'd never heard the term before. Well, that's not true, but I'll get to it. I, did, I didn't know what that term was. Um, but I found out through this. And I, and I asked my wife uh, the other night. I said to her, I just looked at her and said, uh, do, you, do you know what crudite is? What that is? And she says, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you get a bunch of vegetables and, and you have some dip or something like that. You put it together. You know, it's like a veggie tray. A veggie tray! His wife sent him out to get a veggie tray, but no, crudite. That'll get the working class all up. You know, hey, yeah, we're right there with you, doctor, because we all call it crudite. No, it's a veggie tray. And the store itself had put out a statement saying, they have veggie trays, doc, that are that range from $5.99 to $7.99. Eight bucks for a veggie tray. Oh, my God. Fuck you, Joe Biden. Sorry. <laughs> So he misses there. So this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And he just hands this stuff over to Fetterman, who just has a picture of himself holding a veggie tray. Here you go. Eight bucks. Eight bucks. Here you go. Guy's completely out of touch. Uh, last I heard, Fetterman is leading um, Oz in the polls by 20 points. But... Hillary, Hillary Clinton was leading a certain orange person by quite a lot in the polls as well. And we know how that went. Lock him up. <clears throat> anyway. Crudite. I'd never heard the term. At least, I, I, I should say, I have heard it, but I thought it was a made-up word. You see, I'd heard it from Mr. Show. That was a, a show that was on HBO in the 90s. It was a, a sketch comedy show uh, uh, that was uh, starring Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. And it had a bunch of funny people on there. It's a really funny show. A lot of you know, Some of their skits that, if you look at them now, might not sit right because you know sensibilities change. 
but the, uh, but they're still they're, they're still funny and you realize well yeah it's it was the time and 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 they're a little you know the, and the guys would realize yeah we probably wouldn't do that today because we know that that's not the best way to approach that particular topic but for the most part what they were doing was taking the piss out of out of out of people like homophobia and 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 that you know racism and all that kind of stuff it was just you know was, you know and they were funny so anyway there's a sketch on there I'll call it the Burgundy Loaf because that's the name of a restaurant, a really hoiful, uh, hoity-toity uh, uh, restaurant that is so, so good, so magnificent, so excellent. It gets an extra star. It gets six stars. So there's there's a young couple on a date. Uh, they're they're at the Burgundy Loaf, and the, the young man you know tells her, oh, it's got an extra star. You know, so that's how great it is. And the maitre d is uh, standing by the table. That's Bob Odenkirk. The young man on the date is uh, is uh, 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 David Cross, uh, and then the other people in the skit are the you know the the regulars that are part of the show. So the woman says that she needs to wash her hands, and she starts to get up and 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 uh, Bob Odenkirk in his maitre d' part, doing a really you know outrageous French accent, says, uh, "Oh no no no, madam!" This is and he claps his hands. La hands, too sweet. And out comes somebody with a bowl. They wash her hands for her, and then they walk back into the kitchen. And say, oh, how elegant, and all that kind of stuff. The food is brought out, and then uh, David Cross, his, he gets up, and, and, and the maitre d' says, is there, is, there, is there a problem, monsieur? And he says, oh, no, no, I, I just, where are the restrooms? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I just, I need to go to the bathroom. No, 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 no. We wouldn't soil our, our, our restaurant with something so crudité as a, as a restroom. That's why I heard the term crudité. I thought it was taking the word crude, making it sound French. They made that part up. But now I realize that there are people in the audience that understand that what crudité means. Maybe not everybody. Maybe everybody, and I'm the only one. But <laughs> uh, it, it was it was funny as hell, uh, that skit. It gets really crude. It's, it's scatological humor and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, that's where I heard crudité from. What the hell time is it? Do I have time to get to the thing that I haven't gotten to in like I don't know how many months? There was a hoax. Now this is this is more recent. This is my door into it. So if it, you know, let me uh, yeah, I got time. Uh, a, a French scientist uh, did a little hoax. Did a little joke on the public. The James Webb telescope has been very exciting. The images that we've been seeing through that is just astounding. Uh, Hubble was fantastic, but James Webb has just ramped that up even more. You know, it's just we're just seeing such really really cool things coming through that and getting some good science out of it and it's it's great. It's great. And this this one French scientist, I don't know what what branch of science he's in. He decides to, he he just noticed something and he put it out uh, out there onto the internet as a little joke, and a lot of people bid on it. Almost literally, you could. He he. What he did was he put out a picture saying that this was a uh, um, from the James Webb Telescope. It's a picture of one of the closest stars uh, to us. I don't know if it's the closest star. I can't I can't remember the name of the star. Uh, but he put that out there, and that went viral. Everybody started sharing it and all that. And then he, he revealed that, well, actually, that's a slice of lunch meat. Chorizo, chorizo. I swear, I was listening to the Skeptic's uh, Guide to the Universe. I was listening. To that. I don't have to swear about that. But I swear they, they pronounced the name of this meat as chorizo, like with a T, but it's, it's chorizo with a C-H, I think. Unless it's pronounced differently because of Italian. I don't know. I don't know. Man, this this dumb American. What do I know? I barely know English. So anyway, it's it's a slice, and it has all this kind of. It kind of looks like pictures that we've seen of our sun, with all this kind of churning going on, and little white spots and all that. It's on there. It's 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 okay. I could see how. I, I mean, I would have looked at it and not realized, and it did raise a bit of a controversy because. This is a scientist. We're supposed to trust these guys, and 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 he puts out this little joke, and a little hoax. It's a joke, and he, he revealed it. And the SU was talking about, it and they said, you know, maybe you do this as a, uh, you know, as an example. You you make it more clear what you're doing, 
than just setting it out there and everybody bites into it and then realizes that and then and then you tell everybody no actually that's a slice of meat a kind of lunch meat or whatever pastrami or something something like that right and and so he's they do can we allow scientists to have a little joke once in a while to tease us a little bit to put it out there i mean we want to trust them right but can't they're human can't they have a chance to do a little joke too I don't know. But speaking of the James Webb Telescope, and this is the thing that I haven't talked about since July, I saw some images come up of Jupiter, our coolest planet. I think the planet, and I don't mean by temperature, it looks cool. This planet, you know, I mean, the dullest looking planet we have is your anus. Uh, that thing looks, it's just blue, maybe a little lighter blue streak here or there that's it i think it has a ring around it i think there's a ring around uranus but uh and yes i say it that way on purpose your anus that's how i say the name of the planet because i'm a bit immature anyway pluto looks cool uh saturn well you know it's, I think the Saturn's called the jewel of the, of the solar system. So, yeah, you know, those, those rings, pretty damn impressive. Pretty good-looking planet, too. With the rings, I mean, it's hard to beat. But there's something about Jupiter. Uh, you know, um, Mars has got, what? You know, it's red. Orangish, red, whatever. Yeah, interesting. Venus is kind of this piss-yellow color. <laughs> It's because it's all this, these uh, clouds. It's the greenhouse effect going crazy on that planet. Mercury is a very burned-up-looking thing. Uh, are there any planets I left out? Neptune? I'm not even sure what the hell Neptune looks like. But I, it, I think that has certain interest to it. Maybe? I don't know. But to me, Jupiter just has this... The, the, the surface, if you will, which isn't the surface. Well, it is, but it's, it's just it's a gaseous giant... Or gaseous giant, whatever. And it, 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 some of the images look like uh, Van Gogh brushstrokes, the way it looks. It's just so beautiful. And when you think about it, it's so cool that we live in a time where we have technology, thanks to science, that we can peer out across however many, uh, I think, billions of miles it is to get to Jupiter from here. We can look at that and see such a good... I mean, we saw great images of it when uh, a, a space probe had gone around it, took some pictures of it. Was that Juno? It might have been Juno. And that's that's that was cool. That, now, so I wrote down some stuff. Uh, this was weeks ago. This just kind of put this in perspective. This is kind of like... Uh, but it's, it's it takes a longer time. But this is kind of like you know somebody who was uh, who was born like in 1890 and and lived until 1970. Got to got to see uh, human beings flying in airplanes for the first time, and then got to see us landing on the moon within the span of their lifetime. That's nuts. Right? Okay, but that's, you know, this is sort of kind of like this, but it's a grander scale. It's a longer scale. So we think about it, you go back thousands of years ago, the ancient peoples of the world, you know, they looked up at the night sky. They saw the star patterns. They noticed that the patterns would change. You know, pretty much all the stars, like this blanket of stars, would all sort of move together around us around the planet. They would move through the night sky. And it, as the year progressed, the angle of this blanket of stars would change. And then it would go back, you know, and it, it just, it would go back and forth. And they would be, it was predictable. And they realized that they, that the, that the, the difference in that, in the positioning of those stars uh, corresponded with certain, with seasons here on Earth. And they could figure out how to, you know, when to plant crops and things like that. They were figuring stuff out. But they also noticed among that blanket of stars that all seemed to move together were these other little stars, these other little points of light that wandered around, it seemed, on their own. They, 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 they would go in the same patterns of themselves. They would constantly, you know, as the year went along, some of them would look like they would go the opposite direction that they were headed. 
they would start to go back and then they'd continue on that path that they normally go through. And this has happened each year, and they would be in different parts of the night sky as the year progressed, but they would there they would be. And these these you know ended up being called planets, which is based on the Latin word or is it Greek? For uh, wanderer. Planetes, I think it's the I think it's Greek. Did I write it down? It's so the they would notice these things. And they, you know, and they they make up stories about them, you know, gods or whatever bullshit, just because they didn't know. But they they were smart enough to figure out, hey, you know, we can come up with these things called calendars based on what's going on up here. We can do that. So then, so that was for the longest time. They would look up at Jupiter, and I don't know when it got its name. That would be one of the planets. I don't know when it's got its name, but you know, at some point, they said, "Oh, we're going to call that one Jupiter." <laughs> and and okay, great. So then in, in 1610, Galileo, the guy that the kooks, that the that the cranks like to point to, you know, oh, they didn't believe Galileo. They don't believe me in my, in my perpetual motion machine. I've done it. I've figured out my theory of everything. I've done it. They think I'm crazy. Well, they didn't believe Galileo. Yeah, well, Galileo was right. And you're not. You're a crank. Anyway, <clears throat> so Galileo, using a, a crude early version of a telescope, I mean, compare that to James Webb. Huh? Huh? <laughs> uh, he, he could spot four of the moons of Jupiter. Uh, there's Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. He was able to spot those. Using a, a, I have, uh, some years ago, they had a, 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 an astronomy... Uh, 365 days of astronomy thing. This was a few years ago, and you could get for free uh, a a telescope that was um, not an exact replica, but it had the same kind of size and 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 magnification capabilities that Galileo was using. And I I have that, and I've taken it out and says I can't see shit, but you know Galileo could. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Galileo did. So he was. That was that was 1610. That uh, that he figured saw the moons, and I don't know if he named them, but he saw the four moons. Uh, in 1831, the the giant red spot was was first discovered, was noticed. Hey, look! There's a red spot on Jupiter. They could see it. You know, the technology and telescopes and that had, had advanced enough so they could see the giant storm. You know, the big red spot that just churns around. There's been going around and around and around there for for centuries, for millennia. I don't know. It's been going on forever. I guess it, there are signs that it may be slowing down or dissipating, maybe. But there are other little storm churnings in the atmosphere there, but none so spectacular as the big red eye that goes around there. Uh, so that was seen in 1831. Uh, and let's see. Uh, then in 1995, it was the Galileo orbiter began its mission uh, to orbit and study Jupiter. And that's when we started getting some really cool pictures uh, and, and, and stuff from there. I mean, that's, that's we sent something up there. That's the, that's, that's 160 years after we spotted the red spot. And, and now we're, we've sent some you know, space probe thing up there to take a good look at Jupiter and study it some more. Uh, in 20, uh, 2011, Juno, a space probe, uh, was launched and also orbited to study uh, and studied uh, Jupiter and sent, uh, sent really spectacular pictures of that. Uh, just fantastic. I'll see if, what I can find. Uh, I'm going to have to find the, the pictures. And now, now we've got James Webb taking a look and oh man seeing those pictures they're just absolutely stunning it's i like i said it makes me think of uh, some of the pictures makes me think of uh of van gogh's uh, starry night it's a it's a damn cool thing and it's thanks to science thank you science good night our doctor good night frau blucher okay uh 
made it to the end of another show. Hopefully I can do all this without uh, being able to hear it. Oh well, what can, you, what can I say? You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to do all the COVID stuff that you need to do, and wash your hands anyway, and uh, be skeptical and all that stuff. And remember to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.